People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGold to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. It is finally here. The 2019-20 Premier League season is now only a few days away. To get us started for game week one, I'm here with Jake Osgathorpe from InfoGoal. Hi Ben, how are you today? You okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. A little bit under the weather, but the the Premier League excitement, I'm sure, will get me through. How are you? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Just can't wait for it to get started now. It's been a long few months. Good stuff. So let's. Uh, what we'll do is we'll kind of we'll run through the fixtures. Um, We'll try and share some insights. You can obviously tell us what InfoGold is predicting or what the numbers are suggesting and, and see if there's basically any value to be had in the markets. Yep, that sounds perfect. So first up, we've got Liverpool versus Norwich. Now, obviously, uh, Liverpool's success or, or lack of last season was well documented. They were kind of the best, the best runners-up we've ever seen in the Premier League. They only lost one game, and that was to the eventual champions, Manchester City. And they actually won 17 of 19 matches at home. Um, so obviously going into this match at home, they haven't lost at home in over two seasons. Um, they're coming up against a newly promoted team. And with them, they've got two of the three joint golden boot winners, an elite goalkeeper in Allison, and obviously two wing-backs who got over 10 assists each. So really, I guess from their perspective, there's not a lot more they can do. And their opponents, Norwich, obviously won the championship. In comparison to the winners the year before, who were Wolves, they actually scored a lot more. Uh, 93, I think it was, compared to Wolves' 82. But they also conceded a lot more, which was 57 against 39. Now, the XG numbers were kind of a little bit lower on both counts, but, I mean, really, you can't be taking a defence like that into the Premier League and, and hoping to avoid the drop. So what are InfoGoal thinking for this one? Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head there with both teams, really. Um, Liverpool were, as you said, the best runners-up we've probably ever seen in the Premier League. Um, they, they did so well to push Manchester City as far as they did. Um, and as for Norwich, um, like you said, they, defensively they were suspect at times in the Championship, conceding plenty of good chances um, regularly. Um, and they were actually fortunate to get into the Premier League at ranking, automatic that is anyway, ranking as the third best team uh, in the Championship last season. In terms of this game, though, the Infogol model um, is understandably heavily on Liverpool to win. Uh, we're giving them an 81% chance of doing so, but that doesn't quite represent value. We think the value in this game lies in the goals market um, and looking at not over 2.5, but over 3.5 with Liverpool's famous front three to cause Norwich Norwich's vulnerable defence plenty of problems in this match. Yeah, quite in line with Pinnacle there, because I mean... Liverpool being given 83% according to the odds. And as you rightly said, I mean, a, a, uh, a convincing win with a two-goal handicap obviously suggests quite a, a high-scoring game with the over-under set at three and 3.5. On to game number two, we've got West Ham versus Manchester City. Um, now, West Ham were probably the, the benefactors of some good luck, good luck last season in terms of their final league position. The, the main positive for them, I guess, is that they've got a, an elite goalkeeper in Fabianski and people will co- probably rant and rave about his 148 saves last season. But from West Ham's perspective, it's not, not great to be saving a lot of shots and they only actually kept seven clean sheets. Um, the big one for them is the, the signing of Sebastian Allaire. 
So I think he notched around kind of 0.9 XG plus XA for, for Frankfurt last season. Um, they probably shouldn't have to worry about relegation, but I think talk of top six is, is probably a bit much. Now they're, they're coming up against what is probably the best Premier League team we've seen in quite a while. Manchester City, 198 points over the last two seasons. They've scored at a rate of 2.6 goals per game and they've conceded just 0.66 per game. They obviously had a couple of wobbles last season against Crystal Palace and Newcastle, so there might be a bit of hope for, for fans like West Ham. But, I mean, really, they've been rightly installed as favourites for the title. Absolutely, yeah. Um, first of all, West Ham, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. To a, they, they overperformed last season according to expected goals, finishing higher in the league, um, with their main issues being defensively. And I know you highlighted Fabianski there and, uh, and all his success that he had last season. Um, but he'd be unlikely to replicate that um, to such an extent unless they unless they rectify the defensive process, which was conceding nearly 1.8 expected goals per game last season. Um, this could be a very one-way, one-sided match. Um, Manchester City, best team we've probably ever seen in the Premier League in terms of process. Um, and believe it or not, last season, their process improved on the 100-point season from 17-18 uh, season. So they're actually getting better, which is quite scary for everyone else involved in the Premier League. Um, like, like with the Liverpool game, we've got this as, uh, as Manchester City heavy favourites, 74% chance of winning. Um, but again, there's not really much value there. And in terms of predictions, we're looking at, uh, at both teams to score no. Um, with Manchester City, although they weren't, uh, they're not well known for the defensive process, everyone raves about their attacking process, but defensively they are extremely solid, the best defensive team in the league last season. Uh, and we could see them shutting out West Ham in this opening game. Yeah, West Ham being given just 9% chance of winning the game, whereas Manchester City are up there at, at 76. And as you said, similarities to be drawn to the the Liverpool-Norwich game with a, a split handicap of 1.5 and 2. And again, over-under goal mark is 3 and 3.5. So next up, we've got Bournemouth and Sheffield United. Um, I guess Bournemouth, they kind of... They haven't gone mad in the transfer window per se, but a lot of people are saying they've they've recruit, recruited well with the likes of Dan Juma, Billing, Lloyd Kelly and Jack Stacey. They all look like good bits of business. And I guess the, the one concern for them will probably be holding on to the likes of Nathan Ake with the, the transfer merry-go-round that's going on with Harry Maguire and stuff like that. And when you look at the numbers, they actually conceded 70 goals last season, which is the third most in the league, which has got to be a big worry. Now, they're, they're coming up against Sheffield United, and Chris Wilder's got, got plenty of fans for the way he's got Sheffield United playing. Um, a team like Wolves probably showed what is possible when you come up from the championship. You take your chances, you defend well, but as simple as that sounds, it's actually going to be very difficult. Um, bit of a mixed bag for Sheffield United in terms of transfers, the likes of McBurney and Mousse coming in for big money, but also... Phil Jagielka and Ravel Morrison on freeze. So what what's the expectation for this game? Yeah, so as you, you pointed out, Bournemouth defensively last season were um, conceded a lot of goals. Uh, according to expected goals, it wasn't as bad uh, as a 70 would suggest defensively. Um, but still, there's room for improvement there. Um, and the signings of 
uh, of Lloyd Kelly and Jack Stacey should hopefully shore that uh, that defence up if they obviously come into the starting lineup. Uh, Bournemouth haven't had any issues going forward since they came into the top flight, and that's expected to continue really. Um, they've got such good attacking players: Callum Wilson, Ryan Fraser, Josh King. That they will undoubtedly score plenty of goals again this season. Um, and in the new guy, the new boy, Sheffield United. Don't underestimate them. They're a very strong outfit. Been the second best team in the league last season, the Championship. Defensively, they were the best team. Uh, and Chris Wilder's got a way of playing which makes them really hard to beat. And there's a togetherness there that will be very uh, and, and a spirit there that, that will mean that if, even if they go down, they won't. They'll go down swinging. Um, unfortunately for this game, though, we, we rank Bournemouth um, a lot higher than the, the many other. Uh, people do. Um, we're giving them a 60% chance of winning, which represents a great deal of value. Um, so unfortunately for Sheffield United, it might be an opening day defeat. Yeah, quite interesting there, because I think Pinnacle has Bournemouth around a 50% chance. As you say, there there could be some, some potential value there. Absolutely, yeah. Next up is Burnley versus Southampton. Now, Burnley last season had a bit of a, a fall from grace after finishing 7th the season before. I don't think you can really suggest the Europa League commitments had too much of an impact because I think they were eliminated qualifying or playoff rounds before the actual tournament proper kicked off. They started slow and they kind of recovered a bit towards the end of the season and did stabilise to to comfortably avoid relegation. Now their their opponent Southampton, I mean, had a let's be honest, a pretty average campaign. I think there was sixteenth in the end or seventeenth from the season before as well. Um but underlying numbers suggested that Southampton could have finished maybe a couple of positions higher. They've they've only really strengthened in attack with the, the permanent signing of Danny Ings and Che Adams from Birmingham. I guess defence is going to be a bit of worry for them. So what does what does InfoGoal say? Yeah, so as you said with Burnley, they were they were really, really struggling. Uh, they were in the bottom three around Christmas time and, and that was a fair reflection on their underlying process. The, um it, it really was that of a a team that would be expected to finish bottom they were struggling so badly uh, but after Christmas whatever Sean Dyche did or said to the players just completely turned them around they, they went from a, a bottom a bottom three team to a comfortable mid-table team um, and if they continue that level of process uh, into this season they will undoubtedly be comfortably safe uh, once again and retain their place in the Premier League and as for Southampton as you pointed out of Ralph Harson Hoodle came in um, and really did Take, uh, turn them around, not only in the style of play, but their uh, their underlying process. And Mark Hughes had got them really struggling at the wrong end of the table. Defensively, they were a real mess. Um, and Harson Hootel's come in and has uh, has overseen an improvement. Whether that is enough of, it, of an improvement to go to Burnley and win, Infogol suggests probably not just yet. Um, the model giving Burnley a 39% chance of winning, which could offer a small bit of value. Yeah, I mean, according to the odds, this one's actually the, the hardest game to call over the weekend. You've got Burnley at 36% chance, Southampton at 34% chance, and, and a draw at 30%. So, I mean, it's it's a real hard one to call. It, it's, definitely, it's definitely the tightest game um, of the weekend, uh, mainly because no one knows how to rank these two sides just yet, given how, what they showed us last season. They were up and down throughout. Um, but yeah, we're slightly siding with Burnley on this one. Next up, we've got Crystal Palace versus Everton. And Palace, I guess, kind of similar to a degree to, to Southampton, albeit quite a, a couple of positions higher. They they hovered around kind of 14th, 15th all season. They actually ended up 12th thanks to a bit of a strong finish. And they, 
they performed relatively in line with expectation. They've they've obviously let go Aaron Wambasaka, who's a, a massive asset for them, and it looks like Zaha could be nailed on to leave. So that they could potentially be one team that really struggle this year. Now, the flip side of that, or the contrast, is you've got someone like Everton, um, who transfer wise have kind of gone a bit mad to a certain degree. They've got a great potential great deal in Moyes Keane um, they've turned Andre Gomez deal from loan into a permanent they've got Gebamin, they've got Delth um, but one major worry I think for them would be Adrissa Gay who's obviously left and he was really a, a key player for them now they're, they're tipped as many to be top six contenders and this is this is the kind of game you've got to win if you want to be there so do InfoGoal think they can win it? Uh, we, we make them slightly slight favourites to win the game. Uh, but again, this this is like the Burnley and Southampton match. This is a, a really tough one to call. Um, you've alluded to it already with uh, the, the whole Zahar saga that's rumbled on all summer. Um, but it looks as though he could well be staying with only three or four days left of the transfer window. Obviously, anything can happen in, in, even in such a short space of time. Um, but even if he doesn't stay, Palace are a rigid unit under un, under Roy Hodgson. The underlying numbers for the last two, three seasons have been really strong, um, comfortable mid-table. So they will, they'll be a tough nut to crack for Everton. But I've got to say, I like the business Everton have done this summer. Um, you've mentioned him already, Mozzie Keane. I think he's a great, a really good signing in an area that they needed to strengthen. They for for a, a so-called top six contender, their underlying attack numbers were really poor last season, and they'll be hoping that he can drive that forward, get himself in a few more scoring positions than than perhaps uh, Calvert Lewin or Cenk Tosun managed last season. Um, and if he can be that twenty-goal season striker like Lukaku was a few years back, then I've got a good chance of uh, of breaking into there. Um, and you mentioned Idrissa Gay. It's, it's you know it's a big it's a big void left there. They, they brought in Fabian Delph to perhaps plug that. But more recently, Jean-Philippe Bamin from Mainz, who is a similar uh, mould to Idrissa Gay, is a, a break-up player. Um, I think they'll be looking for him to be a like-for-like switch, just slot him straight in there. Um, so I think Everton will have a good season, but on this opening day, it's a tough one to call uh, with not not much value in the, in the uh, 1x2 market, instead looking at uh, both teams to score. So on to Watford versus Brighton. Um, now, Watford looked like they kind of were, were in line for a very strong season last season. They they were kind of on the tails or matching walls right up until the final third, but then it seemed that that, that FA Cup run seemed to take its toll and they, they dropped away to mid-table. And I guess that was kind of where their, their underlying numbers were suggesting they should be anyway. I mean, it's, it's difficult to see with a, a fairly quiet transfer window if there's going to be any major improvement next season so it might be a bit of stability now their opponents Brighton kind of do need a bit of major improvement because they can they can really count themselves lucky to be in the Premier League um, and for all his fans out there I think it was probably the right time for Chris Hewton to go so we'll we'll probably see a bit of a different Brighton because they've brought in Graham Potter uh, they've got a couple of big signings in Adam Webster and Leandro Tossard um, so they could be another one of those ones that are a, a bit of an unknown. So how does InfoGoal rate this one? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to call this one. Um, as you've said, Watford were, um, for the most part of the season, were really strong and, and were a, a top a top 10 team. Um, for whatever reason, like the, the minds just sort of drifted to the FA Cup final and FA Cup semi-final and then, and the performances just didn't um, just weren't very good in, uh, towards the back end of the league campaign. So um, the underlying process from the first two thirds of the season is is what we're, we're sort of looking at when we're benchmarking them. 
rather than the the, the, the last third where they just sort of switched off. Um, so they 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 should be a you know a top ten contender. Um, but yeah, like as you said, there's not there's not been too many uh, tweaks in terms of the the uh, the squad. Um, Craig Dawson's coming from West Brom, which should add um, an extra bit of depth in in defence. Jao Pedro is a highly uh, highly rated youngster from Fluminense. He's coming, but quite surprised. I was quite surprised. Doddy Lukabakio, who was on loan at Fortuna Dusseldorf last season, um, he was racking up some seriously good XG for 90 numbers for them. Um, I'm quite surprised that they've, they've sold him to Hertha Berlin. So he could be one that got away in a few years' time. But um, but Watford, for all of their uh, their good attacking play and with Dini and Delafeu, defensively they are still slightly. Um, slightly vulnerable um, according to expected goals and as for Brighton like you said there's quite a lot of uncertainty around them at the minute in terms of we don't know how they're going to um, going to play under Potter um, how they're going to uh, how he's going to change the process whether it be for the better or for the worse one thing is for sure he will change the style um, Chris Hutton was playing a very well, solid style of football uh, under Brighton at Brighton, sorry, and Potter plays a much more expansive style. So it'd be interesting to see how they um, how they do do set up this season. Um, and a lot of people have been saying that the signings last season, uh, that Jahabansk and, and players like that, are actually players that will fit into the mould of Graham Potter. So it'd be interesting to see if he can get a tune out of them. Um, we're actually we actually think that Brighton have got a good chance of getting something on this opening day. So um, hopefully for Graham Potter, he's had enough time uh, in pre-season to get his his plans across to the players, um, and we are we quite we think they're a, a bit of value to go to Watford and get something. Yeah, so they're four point four five in in terms of decimal odds, which equates to around twenty two percent. And as you say, that they could be a bit of a surprise package, but they need to improve quite heavily. So Tottenham versus Aston Villa, and I guess for Tottenham fans, they're probably thinking finally, finally that that transfer activity is is starting to kick off, and they've actually signed a player, so they got. And Don Belay, um, who's in and he looks like certainly in pre-season and his numbers from last year that he could make a bit of a difference. Um, they've had no major moves out as of yet. And I'm talking the likes of like Christian Eriksen, obviously Kieran Trippier and, and Vincent Janssen have gone, but I'm not sure that should have too much of a negative impact on Spurs. They're, they're a solid top four team last year, but based on their XG numbers and we'll, we'll likely see something similar this year. I guess for them it's... If they could avoid losing the 13 games or whatever it was, then they they might have a chance to to challenge those elite two at the top of the league. And they're obviously they're coming up against an Aston Villa side who I, a lot of people probably didn't think would be in the Premier League last season with 10 games or 12 games to go in the Championship last season. I think they they won 10 on the spin before a, a bit of a shaky end, which is obviously no mean feat in the Championship. They've they've released a hell of a lot of players, but. They've also brought in sort of 12, 13 players. Now, it's it's one thing to make the step up when you're getting promoted, but to do that with a squad that's almost half full of new players, it's it's a different challenge altogether. So what are the numbers saying for this one? Yeah, so as you rightly said, Tottenham fans are celebrating already because they've actually signed a player for the first time in a few transfer windows. Um, and he should be a very good addition in Dombley. Um, he should bring pretty much similar to what Sissoko brings in the middle of the park, energy, power, pace, um, but he's also technically very good around his feet, so he'll definitely improve them. Um, last season, Spurs ranked only sixth in our expected goals table, so there's clear improvement needed, um, and Pochettino will hope that with his players having almost a free summer, most of them anyway, if not all, having a free summer after the World Cup summer last year, 
that they should be fit and firing to, uh, and raring to go. Although I've just read this morning that Delhi Alley picked up an injury yesterday, which could be um, a little bit of a blow for, for them at the start of the season. Um, as for Aston Villa, last season we ranked them as the fifth best team in the Championship. Uh, obviously, Dean Smith came in and, and did turn them around. He brought he, he improved their process um, dramatically, really. Um, and as you as you said already, the, the, the number of players that they brought in, like it, it is a bit of a worry. But then again, there are a lot of them that are unquote, unknown quantities, and a lot of they, you know they could provide a lot of a, a surprise. Uh, Wesley, the centre forward, seen a few highlights of him in pre-season. He looks he looks sharp. He's he's a big guy, strong. Um, but I guess in, in you look at it, and there's a lot of comparisons between Villa and Fulham uh, of last season. Fulham did the same, really. They brought in loads of, um, of, of new players and replaced the squad, basically. But there's, a, there's a, at least with, with Villa, there's a bit of consistency. Uh, they brought in Courtney House on a permanent, who was there last season, and Tyrone Mings on a permanent, who was there last season. So there's a couple of players there that, that are, although they're down as new signings, they, they know uh, Dean Smith's um, how he likes them to play, they know the club now, um, and I think one of the one of the probably the best signings of the summer so far could well be Tom Heaton, um, who Aston Villa have snapped up. He was one of the main reasons that Burnley's fortunes turned around last season, um, and and it's a bit of a surprise if let him go really, but he could be quite a big signing for Villa. Um, in terms of this game though, obviously Tottenham are, are, are strong favourites, but we don't rate them anywhere near as much as well the bookmakers do in terms of percentage. We're giving them only a 63% chance of winning the game, which is um, is quite a, quite a difference. Uh, instead, we're looking to the, the goals market again, and we're giving um, a 56% chance at under 2.5 goals in this game that Villa can frustrate Tottenham um, in this opening home game. Yeah, so the market's got Tottenham very strongly fancied at, well, I mean, it's a minus 1.5 handicap on them and also 75%, which is obviously quite different to the the sixty percent figure you you mentioned there, and the over under is actually set at two point five and three. So again, potentially, if the model's suggesting a low scoring game, this could be one to to find that value. So the the next game of the weekend is Leicester City versus Wolves. Now this is for me, it's probably one of the most intriguing games of the season because I mean everyone's seems to be ranting and raving about Leicester. Um, obviously Rogers has come in; he he seems to be settled. They've got. They've got Tielemans on a permanent deal from last year. They've also gone out and signed Ayuzi Perez. Um, and a lot of people are really expecting them to be the one that, that breaks that top six barrier. Now, that being said, obviously there's the whole Harry Maguire situation and the Manchester United deal seems to be all but done. So they'll have to go out and find a quick replacement. I think it's the likes of Tarsk- Tarkowski and, and Nathan Ake have been identified as the likely candidates, but we'll have to see what happens there. And and Wolves were obviously the big success story of last year. I think they they finished seventh in the end, but their underlying numbers suggested maybe a bit better finish was deserved. They did really well against the top six fives, the top six sides. They only lost four out of twelve, and they really where their struggles came was against teams lower down the table like Huddersfield, Cardiff, Brighton, Burnley, and Southampton. So. There's two teams here that are kind of I guess Leicester are trying to emulate what Wolves did last season. So what do the numbers suggest on this one? Yeah, just just like you, Ben, I'm really looking forward to this game. Um, these are two of, uh, of of the teams that Inskull really likes uh, heading into the season in terms of perhaps breaking the establishment and, and finishing in the top six. Um, 
in terms of Leicester, uh, their underlying process improved ma- uh, dramatically when uh, Brendan Rodgers was appointed as manager. Uh, one of the obviously one of the key players for them is Jamie Vardy, and his his xG per ninety numbers increased also, just with the attacking style that Rodgers likes to play. So they're a very interesting team to watch um, this season, and they play a Wolves team that we ranked as the fifth best team last season. So they're you know Nuno got um, the Wolves playing in a very smart way. The underlying process was really strong. They were actually unfortunate not to score um, more goals, scoring just 47, but their XGF was 59. So that's quite a, a chunk of goals there that could have perhaps pushed them a little bit closer to the top six. Um, obviously, this match comes uh, just a few days after Wolves have a Europa League game on the Thursday. So in terms of selections, um, that would no doubt affect the market if, if Nuno chooses to rest a few players. Um, but yeah, we, we we think this is a really tight game between two really strong teams. Um, it's not we don't see much value in the in the one one x two market. So again, we're looking towards the goals market and both teams to score, which we rate as a fifty two percent chance. Yeah, I mean it'd be interesting there. You kind of alluded to Wolves and the whole Europa League situation. It might not be so demanding at this point in the season, but if they progress in that competition, we could be having very different conversations when it comes to their weekend games. Yeah, it, it does. The Europa League does have a massive effect um, on on weekend. Playing Thursday, Sunday, especially if you go uh, group stage, you, you're guaranteed at least six of those sort of game weeks. Uh, but even so, um, the, even early on in this season, um, like we saw with Burnley, uh, obviously we don't know how much of an effect the Europa League had on their on their calamitous start. But uh, just just getting the players playing regularly, coming off the back of a pre-season and then straight into playing Thursday, Sunday, um, it could be quite taxing for Wolves. So then we've got Newcastle versus Arsenal. Now, Newcastle, I mean, they look like they were in real big trouble earlier on in the summer. You had Benitez was gone, Rondon was gone or wasn't made permanent. Perez obviously went to Leicester that we've just talked about and they were they were very short price for, for relegation. And obviously since then, Bruce has come in. Some people have their, their negative opinions with that, but he has been given money to kind of splash. And he's got Joel Linton and St. Maximin, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's as doom and gloom as it was, but they still look like they're going to struggle, especially based on, on last season's performance. And they're, they're playing an Arsenal side who, I mean, it's surprising. They actually look more top-heavy than ever before. And as, as great as Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette sounds, it's there's so many weak links at the back that it looks like every game's going to be a goal fest with them. I mean, I think they've conceded... 50 plus goals in each of the last two seasons and if you're a, a credible top four contender you you can't be conceding that many goals so what does InfoGoal say on this one? Yeah a lot of change at Newcastle um, they ranked as only the uh, the fourth best team last season even under Rafa Benitez so they overperformed quite um, quite a bit Steve Bruce we uh, he did a, a really good job at Sheffield Wednesday at the end of last season turning them around um, not only just in terms of league position, but their underlying process. So he's a manager that shouldn't quite be written off just yet. Um, as you've alluded to already, there's been a, a fair bit of change in terms of um, in, in terms of forward line at Newcastle with Perez and Rondon, who were Newcastle's two most uh, two largest contributors to their expected goals last season, have both departed. So there's a big gap to fill there. Uh, but the signings of Joel Linton uh, and Alex and Maximano, you know, they're they're really positive ones. There. Two young players, they're both 22 years old, two young players that, that have got a, a lot of potential. Um, and Newcastle have got a very sturdy sort of setup and a back line and a, and a strong midfield um, that could 
you know that, that has the potential to be really hard to hard to break down. Um, Arsenal, well, you know they finished fifth last season, but that flattered them immensely uh, according to Infogol's expected goal table. Um, we had them way down in ninth, um, overperforming in both attack and defence. Um, obviously, Pepe's come in, who is undoubtedly a good attacking player, but that isn't the area that they needed to strengthen in the summer. Um, you, you've said it already, defensively, there's so many gaping holes and, and, and real problems. Uh, they were the 10th best team in uh, defensively last season, or on the flip that, they were the 10th worst team. Um, so, seriously, uh, they need to work on that underlying process. Unai Emery has got a job on his hands, um, and it might surprise a few people, but in this game, we are actually, uh, we're actually on back in Newcastle to get um, get something out of the game. Uh, we think there's definitely some value in there, uh, giving them a 53% chance of getting at least a draw. Yeah, so we, I mean, Pinnacle's got Arsenal at 55%, and it might be those away struggles, and they said that the defensive struggles and there's potential there for whether it's draw no bet or the, the two-way market on Newcastle could be the one to look at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the you know the the fifty four percent, fifty five percent that Arsenal are, uh, it just looks a little bit, uh, a little bit too big at uh, this this moment in the season. Um, in a couple of games' time, perhaps uh, once we've seen how they're playing and if they've adjusted anything, uh, but for the time being, that they you know it's it's hard to be on the side of Arsenal given the numbers that they put out last season. So the last game in the the set of Premier League fixtures for the opening weekend. I mean. Seems like a great game to end on. It's, it's Manchester United versus Chelsea. United this summer seem to have linked been linked with every player under the sun and it's probably with good reason because they do need to, to improve a bit under Solskjaer now. You could argue that he kind of papered over the cracks with that great initial first run, but their, their struggles were quite clear at the end of the season. And I mean, people have ripped into them, but underlying numbers, they maybe weren't as bad as the performances suggested. Um, and they're coming up against a, a Chelsea side where probably the most has changed for anyone. Um, they've obviously got a, an inexperienced manager in Frank Lampard. They've got a transfer ban to deal with. In terms of up front, I mean, take your pick from Giroud, Batshuayi or, or Tammy Abraham. They've all they've all got potential positives there, but I mean, they've also equally got a lot of question marks over them. And, and the major one for them is obviously dealing without Hazard's XG and XA per 90 last season, which was kind of around 0.7. Um, so what what do you have to say about this one? Yeah, this is probably one of the hardest games to predict. Um, again, just because there's so there's been so much change going on um, at both teams. Obviously, you start with Man United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he's had a lot longer in the job than Frank Lampard, but still, he's you know he's, at least he's had a full pre-season to get his ideas across. Um, he's definitely going to want Man United to play on the, more on the front foot, more open and attacking which will mean a lot of high-scoring games this season for, for the Red Devils. So, um, it obviously, like I said, they've been linked with quite a lot of players this season, uh, this summer, and it looks as though Harry Maguire is is going to join, which is a you know it's a huge improvement on the defenders that they've got there. Whether he's worth 80, 85 million is another question, but uh, that is definitely an area that needed strengthening, uh, and you know that that's something that they've done, which is can only be seen as a positive. Going forward, they've got endless amounts of talent available. Um, you have Rashford, Martial, brought in Dan James, Alexis Sanchez is still knocking around. For the time being, Lukaku is still part uh, of the Man United squad. Uh, Jesse Lingard still there. You know the list goes on and on. You can even include the young players. So going forward, they haven't really got too much of an issue. Um, it has been the defence that's been holding them back. 
Um, so, yeah, like, as I said, there'll be plenty of entertaining Man United games um, this season, which perhaps something that you couldn't say uh, in previous seasons under Jose Mourinho. On to Chelsea. Now, the Infragol ranked Chelsea as the third best team in the league last season, which is exactly where they finished. Um, and that suggests to me that a lot of Chelsea fans that want to bring Sarri to go could well be wishing for that he'd come back in 10 games' time. His, their underlying process under Sarri was, as I said, the third best in the league. So although he wasn't liked by many of the Chelsea fans, um, he was actually doing a really good job and obviously secured a Europa League title to go along with that, um, that third-place finish. Frank Lampard is an unproven manager. He overperformed massively at Derby last season. Um, he likes his team to take a lot of shots from distance, um, which is not always the best thing, as the further away from goal you are, the less uh, percentage chance you've got of scoring. Um, so that'll be uh, interesting to see how that goes. Um, and obviously taking Eden Hazard out of any team with his output, not only just um, expected goals, but expected assists, is uh, it's going to leave a gaping hole. Um, and, and as you said, Chelsea have had a transfer ban, so they've not really had the, the opportunity to replace him just yet. Um, there's a lot of positive signs about Christian Pulisic, but whether he's up to filling the void left by Hazard remains to be seen. Um, both sides, well, Chelsea do look weaker than last season. Man United will probably be the same, just playing uh, a really open style of football. And we can, we, again, there's not much value in the 1x2 market. Looking at the goals uh, and both teams to score, we're given a 54% chance. So there's marginal value in that, uh, in what should be an entertaining round off to the, fi- the final game of game week one. That's it. That's your full list of fixtures. If anyone wants to know more about these expected goals or expected assist figures, listen to the latest Pinnacle podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. For more information on InfoGoal, you can visit infogoal.net, follow them on at app on Twitter and also download the app on iTunes and Android. You can find all the latest odds for this weekend's Premier League action on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets and as always, please gamble responsibly. 